Today I'm talking to Evren. I met Evren at Newton's Playground in 2009. It was the IGSA World Championships and he was out here with the Sector 9 team. He lined up against two other Americans and an Aussie in the Junior World Championship final. And it went a little bit like this. And Everin the feather, the fastest feather I've ever seen. Everin from Sector 9, ripping like a pro, ripping like he's been ripping since he was born. The ankle biter. Oh, the feather's getting ready to go. Gabe from Australia, and they're off. Gabe, look at that. Salt Lake City wants it. They're pushing hard against the flying feather. Flying feather. Okay, here we are. Flying feather ripping it up, checking his nine. There we are. Salt Lake City, one and two, trying to catch him. This is like three Americans versus an Aussie. Check it out. Check out the hair. And he bows down to the crowd. Perfect, eh? Perfect. Look at that tuck. Micah Green in second. Everyone came out. Boom! That was Stryker calling a race like only Stryker can. He's an amazing commentator, but we're not talking about Stryker. We are talking to Everyn Ozen today. And that was in 2009. Everin came out with the Sector 9 team. He toured Australia. He hung out with the, the Hopkins skate team. And I got to know Everin. I saw a post from Everin on Facebook a while ago about his new longboard. And it sort of lit up Facebook a bit. Everyone was asking what sort of board it was. It looked beautiful, etc. And I had so many questions. So it was time to suggest a podcast, and he said yes, and this is the conversation we had. Now, a little bit of housekeeping. First, this audio on Everin's site is not the best. This was an internet audio conversation we had, and it kept dropping out. I have edited it the best I can. I could have gone back and redone the interview, but I think you lose a little bit of the spontaneity when you redo an interview. And I wanted to keep that in there. So I didn't redo it. I think the audio is okay and worth putting up with because it's a good little conversation we have. The second little bit of disclaimer I wanted to say was when I was editing this, I thought that maybe my laughing might come out the wrong way, like I'm laughing at Everin. But what it is, is... What it is, is the joy of a new business, a new venture. And when you start a business or when you start a new venture, everything's exciting. There's, it's filled with unlimited possibilities. And that's what comes across in this interview. And I suppose my laughing is just the joy of listening to someone who is fully into what they're doing. I suppose it's just the joy of the passion of the project. And I hope you enjoy this interview. I loved catching up with Everin. He is a unique individual. And here it is. Okay, so we have Everin Ozen. Where have we found you in the world today? Whereabouts are you? Uh, Right now in Southern California. Yeah, nice. Uh, Currently kind of in the middle of nowhere, up in the mountains. Yeah. I was expecting you to say uh, Laguna. Yeah, I'm usually in Laguna. That's that's my stomping grounds, man. That's where 
you know, I live. But um, right now I'm, I'm working up here for a little bit, and I get down to Laguna at least a couple days a week. Um, hopefully hopefully soon, though, um, maybe in the next couple months I'll be in Laguna full-time. Again, it's just it's kind of a pricey area, and I got a got a good little job here, so that's where I'm at for right now. But so it's something we ask everyone that comes on the podcast. What was your first skateboard? Uh, my first skateboard was um, a Sector Nine, one of the really flexy ones, the flex deck ones. Um, probably was when that... I was like six or seven. Wow, was that like a yeah. pintail? Or it. It wasn't the pintail one. It was the one with like the little tiny kicktail on the back, oh, yeah. and um, and it, it was super flexy. It was like mostly fiberglass, I think. And um, yeah, I loved that thing, man. That was, and I had that board up until maybe just like a couple years ago, and it kind of disappeared within my circle of friends and stuff. And that thing is kind of long gone. But I I love that board. That was. Yeah, that was a good one. I mean, is that so, part of growing yeah. up in Southern California? Your first board has to be a Sector Nine. Yeah, I th- I think so, man. <laughs> and it, especially, no, it's definitely true. And at that time, that's like what everybody had, especially in Laguna. It was it was huge back then. Like everybody had a Sector Nine, or either like just like a little street board with some soft wheels. Those are really common, and pintails, so sector nine pintails. So, so you started skating yeah. really yeah. early. Yeah, I um, I started skating. Yeah, when I was little, when I was like six or seven, and um, my brother was really into it. But it was mostly just like cruising and carving down hills and stuff. And um, I didn't really know, you know, that it was like a serious sport or anything like that when I was when I was little. But um, it was pretty easy to get into because, like, everybody did it. And especially growing up in Laguna, there were so many hills that just, you know, getting from, you know, your house to your friend's house, it was easier to just take a skateboard, you know, and get a nice little run in, you know. And then on the way back, you could find another hill to kind of skate back to your house. So, so, so what came first, the music or the skateboarding? You know, man... Actually, kind of at the same time. Right. Now that I think about it, yeah, probably like when I was six um, is when I first started uh, playing the flute, and um, yeah, when I got into skateboarding too. So it all all kind of happened at the same time. So. And yeah. do you still do your music? Uh, a little bit, definitely. Uh, definitely not like I used to before. You know, uh, right now. Mostly just just working and you know in school and, and stuff, but um, yeah, I kind of I was you know I was really into the music when I was little, but then as I kind of learned how to skateboard more, then I got super addicted with the skateboarding, and I'm kind of like kind of get stuck on different things at different times in my life. You know, I get really into one thing, and then like that was skateboarding. The skateboarding kind of took over, and I just got like obsessed with the skateboarding, and then. Now I now I'm doing school. So yeah. So yeah. was music like school? Yeah. Like I mean, because there's a lot of practice involved, and normally I know when I did music mm. when I was a little kid, there was always my mother standing yeah. behind me, forcing me to do practice, not go outside and yeah. skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
my mom was was really supportive of it, and she she didn't you know force me to practice or anything like that. It just kind of happened, you know. What what was kind of drove me away from it a little bit was you know doing the concerts and stuff. Um, when you do so many of them when you're little, it does become like kind of like work and school at some point. Mm. And I think that kind of kills the passion. That definitely happened to me, um, but not not. It wasn't like a bad thing or anything. It's just I kind of outgrew it. I think, you know, I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. You know, so, and it's nice too, like to kind of keep those things as a hobby. You know, because then, in my opinion, at least, then it's 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 the real thing that you have. You know, and if you do it and it becomes a job, then it kind of kills the the passion. You know, yeah. So so now I kind of keep it as a hobby. And same thing with skateboarding too. Even, you know, like if you all you do is go to races all the time and you know, practice for the next one. Next one. For me, at least, it, it kind of killed uh, the passion of the sport too, a little bit. Mm. You know, I think it's important to keep those things as like something you have for yourself too. Mm. You know, so. And did you ever use yeah. any of your music in a video, skate video, or it wasn't that type of music? Um. Because I mean, no, actually, know, there no, are chill never... videos on. Uh on skateboarding and stuff yeah yeah um i i never did it personally but um i don't know if you know mark golter he's old kind of older skateboarder from laguna um he he put some um some of my music on some of his videos a while ago and that that was really cool to see and yeah he's um you have really kind of old school guy kind of like uh I don't know if you know, like, Biker Sherlock and those guys. Mm. He grew up skating Laguna, too. And right. That, that was really cool to see him do that. So he did that. But I I haven't put any on, on my videos, actually. It's, it's kind funny. of a different genre, you know? Yeah, different yeah. genre. Yeah. It's just funny because I speak to a lot of skaters and a lot of people that do videos, and, you know, their one complaint is, you know, they don't have the rights to any music. And he's a musician yeah. that uh, <laughs> doesn't use his music. <laughs> Do you think... Um, yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> when did you start taking skateboarding serious? I, I know... I mean, we met in 2009 at Newton's. It was the uh, 2009 IGSA World Championships. Yeah. You came out as a junior. How how much earlier had yeah. you been doing, like, serious downhill? Man, yeah. I, that was the definitely, i got to say, probably the uh, the most memorable an amazing trip all my life for sure. That was that was awesome. Um and before that, yeah, I um probably about two years, like seriously. Because that's kind of like when I um found out about like sliding gloves and like the whole sport that it's actually a bigger sport. Up until then I'd just been skating around with my friends and, and but then we kind of uh started watching all the videos and stuff and um Silverfish longboarding, we got on Silverfish and started talking to people. And then we skated pretty much every day for like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years before that. So that was almost like the peak for me, you know, was going there and meeting everybody. It was it was really cool. So, and how were you introduced yeah. to the Sector 9 crew? Um, so, you know, where I grew up in Laguna, it was such a small town. Mm. Um as we started skating more and more, we started meeting some people who who knew the Sector 9 guys and 
Um, one guy actually who who worked for him, uh, E.G., was yep. almost my neighbor for a while. Nice. So I talked to him. Yeah, it was crazy, man. And there's another guy, Mike Morrissey, yeah. who's on the Sector 9 team. Yeah, he was actually my next-door neighbor. So we'd skate together and stuff a couple times. I, I was still like, you know, I was total grom. So yeah. I was watching these guys and stuff. And um, I called them one day to get to see if they could give us one of their race decks, if we could buy a race, one of the Sector 9 race decks from them, yeah. just on the off chance, like, just see, because I, I knew they usually don't sell them, but just wanted to see, and um, it turned out that Eric Lumber was in Laguna, and, he, and so we ended up meeting up with Eric, what? and then that's how we met everybody. It was crazy. Everything just kind of happened. Wow. So it was super cool. Yeah, it was. It was kind of and, kind of crazy how it all kind of fell together. And when did you get put yeah. on the team, the Sector Nine team? Um, it was a little while after that. So, um, I showed Eric all the hills in Laguna, and like our our little local, you know, crew and everything. And then uh, we just started skating. And then probably I don't know a couple weeks after that, then I went down to San Diego and met with like Jeff Boudreau and, and those mm. guys. And, and yeah, so it's really, really awesome time, and I'm really grateful for that. That was it was crazy how things worked out, you know, and and uh, yeah, really, really grateful for that. Do you still see any of that Sector Nine crew? Um, you know, I, well, I see I see EG a lot actually, because uh, he has a he opened up a, a little skate shop in Laguna, so mm-hmm. I see him quite a lot. You know, on the weekends I'll go down there and skate and. You know, hang out, go to some bars and stuff, and I'll always see EG. But everybody else, not too much. Um, actually, I haven't seen those guys for a while. So, and the whole scene kind of died down in Laguna too. You know, mm. there's not a lot of people skating anymore, and it's kind of. But I definitely see EG a lot. And EG's super, super awesome guy. So. What's his skate shop? So like? that's nice. Um. Yeah. His so his skate shop is called uh, Handplant, and. Uh, okay. It's, you know, Laguna used to have a lot of um, skate shops, but now his is pretty much the only one. There are a lot of the other shops closed down. Mm-hmm. So EG's kind of like holding the torch, you know, for Laguna a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's it's nice, man. It's a nice little local local shop. So. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And so you're a Grom, you're skating Laguna, you've got your little crew, you... Get yeah. on the sector nine. Life is what, good. Life's good. At what point <laughs> does the um, the Laguna Beach downhill crew start like organizing themselves? So probably around that time. Once we once we started, you know, we're like, man, this is this is awesome. We're we're living the dream here, and it, especially because like no one else was doing it. It was it was really it was really cool. It was like something really special we had. So. Um, the weirdest, the whole thing about this was just really weird. So we're like, all right, we got to get a little cheesy name. So we'll do Laguna Beach Danger Riders. You know, we thought that was cool, everything. And, okay, so then we found out that, I'm, you know, like, you know, like Sherlock and those guys, there's one one guy from Laguna before us, Mark Golter, um, who uh, raced in, like, the early 2000s and stuff, and gnarly guy. Um, he had a crew in the in like the 80s, 
that was the same thing, LBDR, but it was going to be downhill riders. No. So we're like, what the hell? How the hell does this happen? Yeah. So then we're like, oh, my God, this is like some calling, man. Like, we, we have to do something with this because you can't just make this shit up, you know? <laughs> it was ridiculous. So so then then we hooked up with Mark, and he, he, you know, explained, like, the whole crew and stuff. He just came with, like, Roger Hickey and those guys. So we're like, oh, man, dude, we, we got we to gotta kind of make this again, you know, and have, like, an next generation of this. So that's that's when we started getting really into it and stuff and making videos and, and all that. It was really weird. It was really weird how it all kind of happened. But, and the Danger Riders had yeah, yeah. had a reputation, didn't they? I mean, they really were a core sort of little downhill uh, crew. Was it sort yeah, of like locals really only cool. sort of thing? Or no, 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 not at all, man. It was it was really cool because um, it was kind of like half the people in the town loved us, and the other half kind of hated us, kind of yeah. thing. We were really nice to everybody. Tried to be but it definitely did kind of get out of hand for a while because there was just so many kids skating that everybody's like younger brother got into it, everybody in the high school got into it, and people started coming from other places to skate. You know, so then then it got a little nuts where it's like everywhere you go you'd see people skating. So that's that's when like that town tried to ban it. Well, they they did ban it. There's a huge huge thing about that. But um, and when did they ban it? Yeah, man, that was like 2010, 2011. Okay. Um, yeah, they just and we we fought it. You know, we went to city council and it it was crazy. We had a huge turnout, like probably like two hundred people that were just you know talking and a lot of people who were you know, opposed to a ban, but. At the end, they they banned it, and then a lot of people stop. And I think too, um, you know, some no, you know, nobody really got seriously hurt or anything mm. skating. But I think a lot of parents were kind of concerned that it's like, especially Laguna too. It's there's so many driveways and there's lots of lots of cars and stuff. So and it's an affluent area as well. So the you have yeah. a lot of influential people in the area. And did no, you, totally. So, totally. Did it coincide that Laguna started to develop back up into the hills, and then started putting in roads that were just built for that just were awesome for downhill? Is that how it all started, or were the roads already there? Oh, I kind of think it kind of went both ways. The geography of it is just basically, you know, beaches, and then rolling hills going mm. down to the beach. So, like, everywhere you go is just some perfect road. So when we first started finding these roads, we're like, oh, my God, this is, this is amazing. And it definitely makes you kind of spoiled, too, because you're like, you can go from one to the to the next to the next, and, it's, and they're all so close to each other, you can skate to each one. So I think definitely just the geography um, made it really ideal, you know. And... Mm. Yeah, and since it was kind of a rich area, they kept all the roads really, really nice. And mm. um, like every couple of years, they put like fresh blacktop down, so it was, <laughs> it, it was really nice. It was like, it's like jackpot, you know. And did the runs yeah. have nicknames? Um, yeah, yeah, we had some nicknames, but um, 
Any famous they ones? They were kind of named. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and they're all kind of named. They all kind of had a sexy name already to the street. So it was just, like, perfect. Like, uh, there's, uh, yeah, the most common ones are Skyline. You have Temple Hills, which is really nice. Um, and uh, Park, Bluebird Canyon. Those are, like, the main ones people know about. And then there's lots of little ones you can skate in between, like, to get to each of the main ones. You know, you can go from one hill to the next. Yeah. And oh. are they all a bust now, or can you still skate them? Are there any that's just you just can't skate anymore? No, no, you you can skate them still. You can definitely still. And actually, you know, I kind of took a little hiatus from skating and stuff, work and, and school and everything. And we've we've been getting the crew, you know, kind of back together and skating as much as we can now, at least on the weekends. And um, I found that actually everybody's really happy now to see skaters and. We haven't had any problems, so we're kind of trying to keep it that way and, you know, talk to everybody, be nice to everybody. And I think that after just a couple of years of really not a lot of skaters, now it's kind of died down and people are, are okay with it and actually happy to see skaters. So so you're starting to uh, skate with the old crew again? Yeah, man. That's, that's the plan. We're trying to get the crew together. You know, it's harder now that, you know, we all have jobs and stuff and you know, all that, but um, we definitely, we, we skate at least every weekend, you know, when we have time off, so, yeah. And as you get older, you know, crashing, it hurts more, you kind of beat up, but that's the plan. We're trying to, to skate more together, and uh, hopefully we're going to start racing again. We just have to find the, the money, the funds, and the time. That's that's our goal right now, so. Right. And how do yeah. you get your old yeah. friends back into skating? Oh my my yeah this is this is a this is a big thing, so you know I I tried everything really and they're all like nah man I'm gonna go hang with my girlfriend I'm gonna do this I just call them over and over again and just peer pressure them <laughs> until they yeah I just peer pressure them every weekend it's just like <laughs> I'll show up at their house and be like let's go and then eventually they'll get a one run that's really awesome and they'll be like okay I, I like skating that's 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 the way. I found that works the best. It's just just relentlessly, just keep keep peer pressuring them. And have they still got so, all their old gear? Nah, some of them. Um, yeah, I think we still actually have a lot of old stuff. A lot of it we've you know sold or you know given to someone or whatever. And that's the hard thing too is like getting gear that you're comfortable on because everything's changed a little bit, you know all the trucks and wheels and, and stuff. It's really hard to find the old stuff. But, yeah, we have some of it. I wish I would have kept, like, all of my old stuff. But we have some of it. So I mentioned before I met you at, at the 2009 World Championships, you became uh, IGSA World Champion, Junior World Champion that year. Yeah. What, what happened... You raced again in 2010. You sort of came fifth in the world. So, and then th- that was it? You went back to school or what happened? Yeah, so it was a couple things, man. Um, the very first race I went to was Sector 9. I um, I was just skating down the hill at the end. Actually, actually, before racing started and 
kind of crashed with some other guy and dislocated my shoulder. And then after that, it was just like my shoulders were super weak. Um, so after Newton's and everything, I came, I went back, you know, got back to Laguna, and it was awesome, you know, skating, and I was like, you know, planning on racing more, and my shoulder just kept popping up. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to wait a little bit and get rehab and stuff, and I, I did that really religiously. But um, then I, I fell and, and dislocated the other one, and mm. I was like, shit. <laughs> so it, it was never really the same. I lost, like, a lot of strength in my arms. It was just, like, just messed me up. So I, I kept racing and stuff, but um, it, def it it started to affect me really bad to where, like, I had to go get surgery. I was going to have to go get some, actually, in both my shoulders, uh, surgery. Um, but I kind of put that off. So then, you know, I raced some more with, with Sector 9 and everything. And by that point, it's like 2012 or 2011, I was kind of like, crap, man, I... I gotta, I gotta figure this out, figure the situation out. So I took a little hiatus from that and went to school and everything. Then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So actually, just uh, this last year, actually about a year and a half ago, I got them fixed and everything's, everything's good. So, but I had definitely had to take a break from it. So I wish I could have just kept going, but yeah, it was kind of, it's pretty unfortunate. But what you had surgery on your shoulders. Actually, no. It got really bad, and um, I was I scheduled, you know, the surgery and everything. And uh, about a week before I was going to go get the surgery, I actually just super super crazy. But I met this Buddhist monk, and he, and he told me, "Yeah, you know, I'm a chiropractor. Um, let me take a look at your shoulders. I I'm sure I can fix them. I I do this stuff all the time." And I was really skeptical, but I went and saw the guy, and he, he fixed him in, like, 20 minutes. And he told me that all my muscles were just out of out of place, and that's why my shoulder kept popping out. So he's like, yeah, you don't need surgery, man. I'll <laughs> put this in. And, uh, yeah, they've been fine since. So that's kind of why I'm trying to get back into skating, because I didn't think they'd, they'd heal up like that. So now I'm, I'm telling everybody about this guy, you know, because there's so many people, especially skateboarders who have injuries like this and hmm. think that it's a, it's a really big deal, but it's interesting what's, what's, what's out there, you know? So I was really lucky. So I found this guy. What, what happened with, with sector nine when you just stepped away and that was it. And eventually it was, I'm not skating and I'm off the team. Like, do they ever say, Oh, you're off the team or is it just, just one of those things you just fade away? No, no, it was, it was kind of a accumulation of things. Um, it's like after Europe, um, you know, there's, you know, uh, my my friend Riley Riley Crone, we did the Euro tour together and stuff. And after that, um, we tried to get a hold of Jeff uh, of Jeff Boudreau for a couple months, and we couldn't get a hold of him. So we were like, oh, what the hell? What happened? So. It was really weird. We just couldn't get a hold of the guy, and um, couldn't get a hold of really of anybody from Sector Nine. Um, it was just it was just kind of weird. You know, the whole thing just kind of fell apart a little bit, mm. and yeah. So that's kind of what what happened. And then um, my you know uh, Fernando Yuppie, he came and stayed with us for a while, um, and we were skating 
all the time. And then I eventually, you know, got on got on ABEC and stuff and started skating for for ABEC. So I didn't didn't really hear too much from from Jeff uh, or any of the the Sector Nine team. So and also too, I was I was that's when I kind of stopped skating a little bit because of my shoulders and stuff. So yeah, it was kind of weird, just kind of dissolved, just kind of dissolved like that. Yeah. yeah. And who who do you yeah. skate for? Do you have any? What's do you have any sponsors still? Or honestly, right now, um, I have a uh, one wheel sponsor that I'm really, really lucky to have is a company called Lobo Wheels in Poland. They're a new company and really nice guy um, who is uh, just working on on downhill wheels and coming out with with new stuff. So uh, kind of you know riding for that guy, but. Um, and I really appreciate that guy, his support. It's just like it's awesome. But um, right now, not not really. Other than that, um, kind of just laying low and and working. And uh, I'm gonna see what the future holds. You know, I know there's not a lot of money in, in skate. You know, downhill skateboarding. So it's it's not something where I can live off of it. I'd love to be able to do that. Like I'm sure we all would, but. Fortunately, it's kind of right now. Maybe would be kind of difficult to do. Be really difficult to do. So yeah. So right now, I'm just uh, just riding for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the way we connected yeah. again was on a Facebook post about uh, downhill decks, and you posted up your deck. Now, can you tell us about that? You're making yeah. your own deck. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so basically came up with this, this idea, you know, like when we all got back into skateboarding, we couldn't find any of the, the boards that we used to ride and the style that we used to used to ride. So I figured, yeah, I'd just make my own and, and um, oh, just make a skateboard company and see if people like them. So uh, this first shape, out right now, which is kind of like a downhill, you know, the old school downhill style shape. Right. So d- describe that. What's an old school downhill shape? Yeah, it's almost kind of like a pintail with the tail chopped off, you know, yeah, okay. big top mount, um, kind of like the Sector 9 race, you know, the old yeah. Sector 9 race decks they had. Yeah. Um, so just big, surfy, easy to ride, just simple board. And I, I couldn't find anything like that, you know? Mm. And um, so that's, that was our first shape. And then uh, we have some more shapes on the way and some, some smaller ones too. And what brand is it going under? Uh, it's going to be just under Ozone Longboards. Okay. Ozone Longboards, that's that's what we're going to go for. And then, yeah, and if things take off, we might we might try to do trucks and wheels and stuff later on, you know? But we're going to start off with the boards and, and see how they do if people like them. And go from there. So, and yeah, you have a website. Are you selling these, or are you just doing it through Instagram or Facebook? How can people contact you? Yeah, um, we we don't have a website right now. Uh, right now, I've just been doing everything through uh, Instagram or Facebook. You know, and um, with the first batch of boards, that's how we wanted to do it. You know, just to get it out to the people we know and you know see if they like it. Uh, but. Uh, pretty soon here, we're gonna have a website up and running. Definitely for the for the next batch of boards, but you know, these days with with Instagram and Facebook and everything, I can reach the same people 
that would see the website, you know, so that's why we did it that way. And um, if you guys, anybody's interested, you know, just uh, you can message me on Facebook or, or Instagram and, um, and yeah, that's, that's how we're doing it right now. So we'll get a little bit more legit and set up um, for that when we get the next batch of boards in. So, and where can people yeah. see like images yeah. and profile shots? Would that be on your Facebook page as well? Or do you have a, yeah. an Ozan longboard Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah on my, on my Facebook and uh, and Instagram. Right now we just have um, kind of teaser shots of the downhill shape, um, and actually we sold out of the downhill shape already of the first batch. So we have another batch coming in two about about three weeks realistically, awesome. and then then well, we're this... gonna have more shots and we have some new shapes too. Yeah. So then we're gonna do the full full thing, you know more detailed shots and everything. But right now they're on, on my Instagram. This podcast will be out in about three weeks. So I'm assuming that people are going to hit up your Facebook page. Yes. Ah, it's perfect timing. Yeah. And we're, um, we're going to have some more videos coming out too. So, uh, that's pretty much when we get the boards in, then we'll, we'll, you know, have our little, our video and stuff and we'll have some more detailed shots. So, so how long is the board? How long? How wide is it? It's it's big. So the the downhill shape is uh, thirty nine point five inches long uh, by nine point seven five uh, wide. Then the wheelbase goes from uh, twenty six and a half inches to thirty and a half inches adjustable. So it's a big, just surfy shape. But we we got the wheelbase a little bit shorter, you know. Okay. I know these days twenty six is still kind of big, but yeah, kind of nice and adjustable. So yeah, and then we also on uh, next batch we'll have a kicktail. What are the names of the boards? My my plan is to name them after uh, Laguna Hills. <laughs> so uh, that's that's why I'm and plus the the name of the Laguna Hills or you know I think thing. For, for skateboards, so kind of tentatively, I'm gonna call the the downhill shape. I think the skyline. Yeah, nice. Sounds nice for downhill shape. You know, skyline. Yeah. I think. Um, and then we'll we'll branch into the uh, you know other shapes. We'll have different. So the skyline will have a kicktail, or is it a different board? Skyline is the the downhill shape, just without the tail, like similar like Sector Nine race shape. Um, kind of like an old fiber tech, you know, um, yeah. just old school, old, like old school Euro top mount shape. And then um, we also have one that's very similar to that, but it has a kicktail, which which uh, I think is, is nice, you know, to have a kicktail. Um, then we're going to have scaled down versions of those two. So we'll come out with a smaller, probably 35.5 or 36 inch um, race shape too. So... What what are you going to call the kicktail board? I don't know yet. I don't know. We're still still trying to think about, you know, what will be good for that one. Temples. You know, there's another run off of Skyline called Mystic. I think oh, yeah. I think I might do that Mystic or maybe uh, Temple Hills. You know, I think the Mystic will be nice though because when you skate that road like early in the morning, it's 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 really misty. And just kind of like it's almost kind of a mystical experience, you know. So I think I might do do mist, kind of tentatively mystic, you know, mm. the mystic thirty nine inch, you know. 
I don't want to get too weird with it, though. I feel like that could be a little, you know, <laughs> a little. But <laughs> I think that's kind of what I'm thinking tentatively. How long does it take to prototype these boards? Actually, I did it pretty quickly. Uh, just kind of the shapes were in my head, so I just drew them out, you know. And um, once once we got made and everything, um, wrote them for a couple days, and uh, that was pretty much it. So I didn't spend a super long time, honestly, prototyping. You know, just uh, took them on on all the runs and see how they felt and everything. And um, I was really just trying to get the feel that I, that I was used to before from riding the old boards that I had before, you know. So once I got that feel, then I was like, okay, it's going to go, you know. So I wasn't trying to do anything really new. I was trying to just kind of bring it back to what I was comfortable on before, hmm. you know. So My memories of you in 2009 was a real surfy style. You like, you used to corner forest elbow, almost like sitting on your board, like back foot. I mean, do you still have that type of style? How I'm most comfortable, you know? And also too, when I was, when I was smaller, I think when you're like, when you're Grom, it's, I, I think it's a little bit easier to be more fluid on your board, you know? Cause I was so little and light that mm-hmm. made it kind of, kind of easier to just kind of flow from one side to the other, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely what I still try to do now is just be nimble on the board, just flow in the corners. Yeah. So that skyline board really does suit your style. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I was going after for that board, you know? Just what I'm comfortable on, you know? And um, it's a really easy board to ride, you know? It's like you can't really fall off the thing. You know, it's it's so big. It's like you kind of just just get on it, and it just feels like, like you're almost like on a surfboard. You know, but definitely probably not that nimble now. I'm older and stuff, but <laughs> that's what I what I aspire to be. You know, that's a, that's a style I kind of aspire to have. So, and yeah. how how much are they? So they're uh, one one twenty plus shipping, and we're. We're trying to get the shipping costs down to other countries. Um, that's the one thing that is kind of unfortunate is, you know, getting it to Europe, Australia, other places, you know, there's the shipping. But um, we're going to try and see what we can do to, to mitigate that. But, uh, yeah, right now they're just 120 plus shipping. And we're going to do something cool, too, I think, um, we're kind of talking about it, seeing what we can do, but um, we're going to do maybe a charity. So every board we, we donate, you know, X amount to some charity, and then like maybe every 10 orders gets a free board or gets something from one of us, from one of the LBDR guys, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of what we're working on, like our voice on your answering machine or like something weird, you know? So that's that's kind of what we're working on. We still have to come up with the with that though yeah is there going to be a lbdr deck oh yeah 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 definitely definitely um we're gonna probably do one board for each each one of us you know uh every member will get like their lbdr model you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like their pro model if you will so that's definitely in the future and um then we'll do probably like a collaboration and then if things go well, you know, we'll have a bunch of different shapes 
coming out, and uh, we'll all kind of have our input. So, but we're definitely gonna do like one, like a pro model, quote unquote, for each one of the OBDR guys. You know. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that'll be cool. And are you gonna get these decks in shops, or is it just uh, direct? Uh, right now, it's just direct because of the cost and everything to get it into shops and the production costs and everything. Um, so we're hoping that we can do do okay just selling directly to skaters, you know? Mm. Um, so that's kind of our plan for right now. If it takes off and we do really well, then um, then we'll get them in shops and stuff. We, we'd love to have them in shops, eventually. It's just like kind of a matter of like the production costs and how much we get back on them and shipping and everything, all the logistics, you know? But um, that's something in the future that uh, we really hope we can do. So hopefully in the future, yes. Do you yeah. think the scene is growing in Laguna? Are you seeing, like, more younger people getting into skating? Unfortunately, no, man. I think that the scene has died in Laguna. And the town has changed so much. You know, it's it used to be this kind of, like, rootsy surf skate town. And um, now now it's not. It's 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 changed a lot. It's changed a lot. And it's kind of scary because so many things in the, in the skate scene have died. Like, silverfish longboarding died. And that was such a huge, uh, just, like, just massive information hmm. to where you could you could learn so, so much. But now... I mean, really, nobody doing it. So even if you started doing it, you would it would be hard to to learn more about the sport and stuff. And you know what I mean? It's 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 almost like it's a completely different thing now. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen completely. You know, but yeah, definitely a lot less people doing it and a lot less people skateboarding in general in that town. So I suppose you do compete with the surfing. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's and that's that's a good thing too. There's still a lot of surfing and stuff, but as long as I'm there, I'm gonna I'm gonna be skating and hopefully we can we can teach some some groms how to skate. Who's part of the LBDR crew now? So who do you skate with? You mean like like kind of like the members, if you yeah, will? Yeah. Like, who who's the who's part of the LDVR now? It's uh, Liam Morgan, you know, from Northern California. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's Liam. There's uh, Fernando Yuppie from brazil you know is um and the yuppies like the yuppie fam- family yep definitely love those guys those guys and then there's um bryn and roger jones um if, if you I'm, I'm sure you probably heard of uh, like roger jones and, and bryn bryn's his older brother yep uh, so those guys uh myself and then uh some of the just like the original guys who still skate but there's a guy named Arthur Wexel. We call him Wex. He's like the he's honestly the kingpin of it all, and he has a house like right in the perfect location in Laguna. So, um, yeah. So there, there's Wex, um, and that's pretty much it. And and me. So and and oh, and uh, of course Riley Crone. You see Liam often? No, actually, no. We don't see him that much. Um, he comes to he he has you. Know, you know, Prism skateboard, and he's doing, you know, his own company, Prism and everything, and uh, he's he's pretty busy. Yeah, but so we like to see him more, but he's doing his thing up there. So, and out of the yeah. that crew that you just think, who's doing the boards with you? Who's doing Oz and Longboards? 
and I actually it's, it's just me. Um, okay. You know, basically, we're well, we're all kind of designing the boards and talking, but um, but for the most part, it's that's my little side operation. You know, I got really crazy one day. I was like, ah, I'm gonna make a board company. Ah, so <laughs> that's mostly just me. Um, but what we're kind of thinking though is like we'd like to do trucks and wheels in the future too. You know, even if we do like small batches, we like to do some precision trucks and stuff. And I think Bryn is going to do that. Is uh, get a milling machine and then prototype them and get some CNC trucks. So he he wants to do that. And um, but at the, at the end of the day, it's pretty much all of us doing it. You know, okay. so we're all kind of putting our input on stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we'll yeah. um, we've been chatting for nearly an hour. Yeah, I think. Uh... Good. Might uh, wrap it up before the internet just totally yeah, kills us. I know. Ah, it's crazy, man. It's been an hour. It felt felt like five minutes. <laughs> it goes quick, doesn't it? I mean, well, I hey, get myself in I just, trouble. I just got to thank you, man. Yeah. Oh, it's it's. Yeah. I I like hearing what different parts of the skate scene are up to and where old friends are up to as well. Awesome, man. I just I just want to thank you so much for uh, for doing this and talking to me. It's it's really. It's really cool to like have this experience of going to Australia, meeting all you guys, you know, and then eight, nine years later, catching up, and <laughs> it's like it's so much has changed, but it's still the same, you know. Yeah. And it's so cool. It's like it's it's awesome, man. And uh, just want to thank all you guys too in Australia for for everything. You guys are so cool. It was really like appreciate the support, the whole scene, you know. That's to me. That's like one of the best things of skateboarding so just want to say thank you man yeah not a worry so, and appreciate you know it. uh yeah. newtons is on it's on every april so if you uh, ever find some lazy cash lying around that you need to spend on an airfare come down and have uh have another skate on the hill dude yeah that's that's definitely our plan so our our next project is now i'm gonna just keep peer pressuring them to get leathers and <laughs> get all set up <laughs> Definitely, we definitely want to start racing again. So we're uh, the issue is money, you know, and and just not even just for the race, but just to travel and, and skate with everybody. So we're gonna try and figure out some more money, you know, our money situation, and hopefully in the next year we'll be racing again and traveling. And definitely Australia is number one on the list, man. I definitely want to get back to Newtons. That would be just top it off. So I lo- I love to go every year it's just you know work and money and stuff but hopefully hopefully if, if things go well, well we'll be able to do more of that so well uh, thanks for being on the podcast man um if any of you guys are you know you guys listening want to come to laguna you, you guys always have a place to stay and i uh, will show you all the hills and it'll be awesome skating with you guys so anybody out there wants to come just give me a call and i'm sure you're going to be getting a lot of messages <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope so. More people there. So, yeah. Thank the whole scene for being yeah. awesome. That's pretty much where I want to leave leave it for me, you know. Um, and we'd love to come back to Australia for sure, man. That's it's it's so cool. You're doing your own board brand. Like it's a good way to keep in touch in the scene and also add to the scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that was my kind of my deal with it. You know, it's like. And also, too, because I want to make boards that aren't made anymore. You know, that was the main thing, too, for me. So I was like, shit, I can, I literally, I can't find these boards any, anywhere. 
so I'm, I had to make them, you well, know? I mean... And if people like them, it's it's nice, you know? It's, it's, it's good. I just yeah, think so, it was yeah. amazing that you put a picture up and then all of a sudden there's just people going, wait, what's that? And I was like... Holy smoke, that's a beautiful board. You know what I mean? It... Hey, thank you, man. <laughs> so... we, we, I appreciate it. I think it turned out good. That's like the, the thing I want for the brand. It's just like something that connects people to the roots of skating, you know? Something that's just like, you know, it's nice to have crazy shapes and experiment with stuff, but I just wanted something simple that's yeah. just a skateboard. This won't be in the podcast, but you got it done through Drang? Yeah, yep. What were those They're guys like? I've been drink. talking to those guys a lot this week. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's cool if you want to put in the podcast too, man. I have no. Um, yeah, they're actually they're chis- you can say they're chiseled by elves. We have <laughs> <laughs> made made with fairy dust. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. They're, though they're they're cool. Um, definitely like those guys because you know I, I tried all these different places. And nobody would wanted to make them, and they had all these huge orders. Yeah, they were kind of everybody was kind of difficult to work with. And Drain was like, "Yeah, man, we'll make you whatever you want. Let's do it." So I was like, "Awesome, um, this is killer." So they're making them, and I really like the uh, quality of the boards too. You know, yeah. having Drain do it, it's nice, and they're they seem to be really nice guys. Um, yeah, it is amazing. tough because they it takes a while. Yeah, oh man. They're they're really nice guys and they do really good work. The only thing is, it's we can't make long. No, it takes takes a little bit longer because it's a smaller shop. Yeah. So, um, that's the only thing. But you know, we're not we're not trying to sell thousands of them. That would be great. I hope we do. But you know, they're kind of small batches. But I think that's also there's in a lot of industries, you get something you know, almost bespoke or you get something that's a bit different or something that yeah. it takes a little while. It's like craftsmanship and it, you get a better result, don't you? I think so. Man. I, I think so. You know, I'd rather have it that way, you know, than be trying to mass produce boards, you know, or selling like, you know, making like penny boards or something and selling those. <laughs> I'd rather have a really, really nice product and have the limited quantities, but I do that, you know? So, and what's the concave like on it? The concave is is very mellow. It's uh, just a radial, just super mellow radial concave. It's similar to the uh, Bomb Hills, not Countries board that Sector Nine made. Just yeah. really mellow, and I wanted that so yeah. So when you put your foot over the, the side of the board, it, it doesn't hurt your toes, you know. Which is kind of weird that I do that. So I wanted something mellow, kind of like combining the uh, the Bomb Hills, not Countries with the Sector 9 race. To me, that's always been like my dream board. So that's pretty much what the concave is. It's real mellow. And do you use a footstop? No, no. No, just... How do you stay on your board? I don't know. Just <laughs> just flow with it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't, but I move my feet around a lot, yeah, which yeah. might not be a good thing, actually thinking about it, like for like racing and stuff, it might be better just to be like locked in. But I, I always like before corners will move my feet around just a little bit in my position. But the the kicktail board, uh, we've got a nice little bit of little bit of rocker, and um, slightly more aggressive concave. And I think we're gonna do uh, 45 degree rails on the side 
to just make it a little, a little extra something, yeah. you know. Um, but still, still pretty mellow, pretty mellow concave. Yeah, cool. Sounds awesome. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Might have to buy one and skate one myself. Ah, you're not gonna definitely not gonna buy one. I love for you to skate one, but definitely not gonna buy one. <laughs> and you're like you're like the Godfather. Here. No, so it would be true. an honor to have you on one. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, man. It would be be an honor to have you on one. So, yeah, and and we're gonna do the thing too, where every I think every ten orders gets a free board. So that'll be cool too. So like, if you're the tenth order, then you get you know two or whatever, and then you can give one to your friend. That way, your friend gets a free board. Wait, so you're gonna ship someone two boards instead of one? Mm-hmm. That's that's <laughs> the thing. That's that's our that's our plan. You know, like we we want to be like the nicest skate company. That's kind of like our our goal. You know, so yeah. that when people buy it, they're like, oh, this is actually this is cool. This is worth it. You know what I mean? So we're going to work on some ways of making them more accessible, obtainable, and also try try and lower the cost too, you know. It's, it's tough because they're like, you know, it's just us making them and it's just literally guys making them in this factory. So it's like they're all made in America. They're not you know, made in China or anything. So they're kind of expensive. But we're going to try and lower the cost too, you know. I don't think boards are too cheap. Deters people from getting into skating. I mean, I hear that all the time. Our oh, wheels yeah. are too expensive and all that. And I'm like, well, try mountain biking or you know, yeah, bike yeah. racing. You know, they're spending $10,000 on a frame. So, you know, a couple of hundred oh, bucks yeah, on a yeah. board isn't that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for most people, it's accessible. Yeah. You can be like a total speed racer with all of the best crazies. You know what I mean? You can go like Tokyo Drift style for not that much money on a skateboard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's it's not that bad. The only thing that does suck is like the shipping coming from, from California, you know, yeah. maybe to Australia or to, to Europe. But it's still not that bad. No, it's not that bad. But the thing is, is there's that shipping you know, price so. on everything. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, yeah. It, that is just, yeah. that is a fact of living in Australia. You know, obviously Europe's yeah. different because they make a lot of stuff. You know, Australia is a smaller country, so we don't really have board shops, like wood shops making boards, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. there was another. So one thing I was going to ask you that this just came up, you know, just from your talking about, you know, uh, we're going to be the nicest skate company in the world. And I've sort of. And the worst. Of, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I've talked to a few people that have started their own skate brands and that is a bit, that seems to be a bit of a factor. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to give back to the community. We're, we're going, do you think this is somehow a little bit of a backlash against more mainstream longboard companies that maybe they are a little bit too faceless or that they don't care enough? That's all about money. Mm-hmm. Or am I reading too much into it? Uh, you know, I well, I, I can't speak, you know, for for anybody else. For me, personally, um, not really. Maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously. Yeah, it is. I I don't really know to be honest. I mean, uh, it's kind of a tough one. I don't think that for me personally, I'm not doing it because I have any vendetta against any bigger skateboard company. You know, but 
the only reason really I, I made, or one of the main reasons I made this company, is just to have stuff that I uh, I couldn't find anywhere else, yeah. and to have okay. really quality boards that, yeah, a larger skateboard company probably won't won't have, you know. Yeah. And may, and a little that definitely does tie into it a little bit too, you know. There definitely are a lot of faceless brands, and I, and their products I'm sure are still pretty good though, you know, like. Even mass-produced boards, they're still skateboards. You still have fun on them. But I think, to me, you know, a skateboard has to have a little bit of, like, a soul to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that's, for me, I'm, when I skateboard, I kind of, you get this connection with your board, you know, and it's, like, it's nice having something that's built by skaters for, for skaters that, you know, they know exactly what you want, how things should feel and stuff. So I think, yeah, may, maybe there is. Maybe there is something to that, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, because that's the other thing I hear. No. I built something yeah. that I want. <laughs> I hear that a lot as yeah. well. Yeah, and also like for me, I don't know. Maybe I just I've become more picky, or maybe I'm just not as good at skating as I used to be. But when I when I stand on other boards, I always feel like, oh, this is so perfect. If only it was just had this or had that, or you know. Yeah. So it is nice being able to make like exactly what you want. You know. What was it? What did it feel like that first board you designed? You bolted your trucks and your wheels. You went for a skate. What did that feel like? Dude, dude, it, it felt like like a journey back in time, like 10 years ago. Like, bam, this is this is how I'm most comfortable, you know? Because I had one similar to that, but um, kind of a steeper concave. And I actually had bought a fiber tech and stuff, and I was trying to get, like, something similar to my old setup. But it just still felt different. But yeah. stepping on this was just like trip back in time, man. I was like, yes, this is it, man. Yes. So, yeah, it felt good. Where'd you get the fiber tech from? Oh, um, I bought it online um, from um, Kahalani Board Shop. No. They, they still have them. Dude, they still have them online. That's, I, I, I was like looking online. I was like, dude, I, I, it would be so cool if I could find like a fiber tech or something. <laughs> And dude, I, I called them and stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we have a bunch," and they're still making them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was nice, and that's like a beautiful board. So. Yeah, that is a beautiful board. Yeah. yeah, I've got a couple of fiber techs. Beautiful. Yeah, I think like the older I get too, maybe I become more of like a skate geek a little bit. I'm like, ooh, fiber tech. <laughs> I think so we're. Nice. <laughs> you know? I think we're all skate geeks <laughs> deep down somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. For sure, definitely. Hopefully when I'm old, if I make it to be old, then I can just have a collection, you know? <laughs> so I gain some more pounds and I'm old and I'll just be like, yeah, I used to ride this one. <laughs> but, hey, yeah, man. I'll get a go. All hey, right. It's been great chatting. Sounds good. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much again, man. Okay, that's all I got. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Go home. No more to see here. Thank you for listening. Please like share subscribe that's what all the professional podcasters say i think it helps so please go off and do that i have some awesome episodes coming up i am talking to people in the industry to skaters like jacko we're talking to race organizers so i've got a lot 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 planned so if you don't subscribe you never know, you might miss out. So do that. Love you heaps. Thanks for listening. Pop out.